Welcome back everybody to Two Bits One Puck. I'm your host, Mr Intangibles Dan Masters, with my good friend as always, the East Anglian Elliot Friedman. Will Everett. Will, how are you? I'd, I've been thinking about how long it's going to take us to just descend into like a, a shock, doc, shock jock radio duo, where it's like <laughs> Mr. Mr Intangibles and Will in the morning, and like Mr Intangibles <laughs> just becomes like like the mask. Like the it just starts taking over you even more and more, and you just you just lose any sort of grip on reality, and you become you become Cheshire's answer to Brian Burke. <laughs> Oi, I'm not having that. Well, don't, don't, mate, you can't you can't give yourself the moniker Mister Intangibles and be immune from uh, Burke and Milbury comparisons. Uh. Shit, that's a good point. Yeah, it's not even like yeah, I've got a choice fucking... either. It's just going to take over me. I don't have a choice. It's like venom. It's just going to live inside me. <laughs> it's just going to come out when, when I'm doing when I don't want <laughs> Berkey. <laughs> I bet right, you had a fucking rock on for Trent Frederick this week, didn't you? Well, oh God, it's so annoying because, we said before, I have this whole stop fighting, guys. Stop fighting. Just, just it doesn't matter. But as soon as Frederick started fighting, you got fucking Jack Edwards going crazy. The crowd's going insane. His parents are high fiving. I was like, yes, woo! Just turned into an absolute fucking knucklehead. And then ten minutes after, I was thinking, why? Why do they? No, it doesn't matter. Stop fighting. I just hated myself. Like um, but <sighs> like if you if you if you as an academic exercise, Dan, say you were to go on. A, uh, a pornography bender and um, you uh, descend deeper and deeper into the annals of uh, of whatever your porn site du jour might be um, and then uh, you achieve your uh, your initial goal from the outset and then afterwards you feel that tint of shame of well that was a waste of time and I've seen like- some things I wish I hadn't <laughs> I like how you say for academic research like that's not what happens every time <laughs> It happens to everybody every time. Yeah, every time. You just finish and you go, I need to close that browser quickly because that's just wrong. What am I doing? That's making me feel really bad about that now. Yeah. Oh, God, I feel awful. God. Okay, let's get off this quickly because I have a question for you. Hit me with it. Here we go. So you're the GM of a terrible team. For argument's sake, let's say the name rhymes with the Flottawa Benetters. Okay? Just (laughs) randomly. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you've got the first overall pick in the draft, so not obviously not like this year. But there's no there's no standout player in the draft. Every position is covered with an elite player, though. So you can draft any any position, and there'll be an elite player in that position. What position do you draft to try and change the fortunes of your franchise? I um, I draft. I can't even lie and say I struggle with this. I thought about this for a bit. Um, the conventional wisdom is, you know, get rid of the wingers because you don't you don't need to don't draft a winger when there's an equally, you know, a comparable any other position. Um, mm-hmm. So your your choice is traditionally centre D or goalie. For me, I'm I'm going centre first, D second, winger third, and goalie fourth. I think that while yeah, that franchise defenseman is wholly important. Teams like the Penguins and even the not the Golden Knights last year, to an extent, have proven that you can go on a run 
with star forwards um and you know you can sort of hodgepodge a decent decor together but you know if if William Carlson wasn't playing like a man possessed last year if you didn't have Sidney Crosby and obviously Evgeny Malkin last not last year but you know, the the year that Pittsburgh limped to uh to the cup with Brian Dumoulin as their number one D I th- I do think that for me at least I'm going to go for a franchise center sooner than a franchise D and I'm sure a lot of people out there, Dan, probably you included, are thinking, why wouldn't you go for a goalie? You know, you think you're, uh, um, you know, Henrik Lundqvist. Everyone would love to draft a Henrik Lundqvist. I know it's a hypothetical, Dan, but I still don't fucking trust <laughs> any of these supposedly elite goaltenders to continue elite. Like, you look at Kerry Price, you look at any any other elite goaltender... Not interested. Not interested at all. It's voodoo. I don't. I don't care who it is. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Even. Even in a dream. Even if I had the voodoo. bloody magic lamp from Aladdin, I'm not wishing for a goalie. Never in a month of Sundays. What? What are you gonna do? You gonna take four goalies straight in a row? <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take four grinders. That's what I'm gonna do. I don't care what position they play. Just any. Any four grinders. If they have the four D amount four, I'll just take it. I. I was. I do agree that. I think you've got to go centre. I think we've seen that getting a guy who can score goals consistently is more difficult than finding a goalie who can just stop the puck going in. Because we've seen a million times, and we've said a million times, all you need for a decent playoff run is a goalie on a hot streak. He doesn't even have to be good. He just has to get hot at the right time. And you want to hope that drafting an elite goalie would improve your chances but like you say how many times have we seen what's considered an elite goalie especially recently win the cup I was more thinking about because you said you know you can forget wingers I I more thought of it as do wingers need a bit more credit your Ovechkins your Canes your Marshans your setup men do they not get enough credit do you think when you think about thought, something like this, I think um, it's it's hard, isn't it? Like because when you're saying all things being equal, you know the any player taken in the first thirty picks is going to be just as good as the other. Sorry, thirty-one picks. Come speaking from two years in in, in the past, um, yeah, you know, all things being equal, I st- I still just think like that ability to play through the middle of the ice, like there is. There is more required of you. Like wingers do get shafted a little bit in the sense that they do still contribute. And you know, just because you're a good centre doesn't mean you're a good winger. But I think the you have to have um, not that you have to have. I think wingers can get away with having a narrower skill set than centres can. Yeah, I agree. I just I don't know. It just it just occurred to me that I think everybody would probably go in in. Centre first, definitely. And then you, people would either then go D-man or goalie, or goalie then D-man. And I think in my head, everyone, everyone would pick a winger last. And it just got me thinking that they should be, you know, like I say, should they be higher up the list? Should they get picked sooner? When you oh, have, yeah. if it's an elite player. You think there are so many teams throughout history, and, and especially recently, that have had a superstar goaltender. Henrik Lundqvist and Rangers never got... Yeah, they got to the final in 2014, but they haven't got it done since 94. Superstar D-man. So, and, and this is... And not a lot else. 
Eric Carlson with the Senators in two was it seventeen? Yeah, it must have been seventeen. Yeah. Only got so far. And and hell he had some decent players around him, but you know, and and there are teams that that have had superstar centres or wingers that have gotten a bit further. Like you look at Taylor Hall last season, dragged the excuse me, the devil's kicking and screaming into the playoffs, as did Conor McDavid a few seasons ago. Like I just think that yeah, yeah, I, th- I think I think wingers can make affect more more of the outcome than than people give them credit for, no doubt. So if I had to pick my in my my top my four, I would go centre, D man, winger, goalie. I would go goalie yeah. last. But birds of a feather down. But yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, there we go. Good question. Should we, uh, should we start the show? Probably should. Everybody, it's that time of the week. It is the smooth recap. Kairos One sang "Whoop Whoop." That's the sound of the police. And someone who knows about the sound of the police is Nino 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 Niederreiter, <laughs> who becomes the third player in Hurricanes slash Whalers history to score at least five goals in his first five games with the team. Anton Hudobin was doing his best impression of Manitoba this week, being stuck in a war of words between Eastern and Western Canada. While Jeff Skinner and Jamie Ben traded barbs, the Kazakhstan native seemed the most Canadian, minding his business while sporting a cheeky grin. Frequent trade bait Tuka Rask became the all-time wins leader for a Boston goalie with his 253rd win. He passed Tiny Thompson to break the record. This isn't that impressive considering Thompson was allowed to play due to lax child labour laws and was only six when he first started. Bruce Boudreau joins swarms of NHL fans demanding Patrick Kane be locked up for his past actions. Unfortunately, Bruce only wanted Kane locked in his hotel for the duration of the game to, for a tactical advantage. The Soviet support Evgeny Malkin became the fastest Russian-born player to 600 assists. He celebrated this accomplishment the only way a Russian man could, which was by getting into a fist fight. Staying in Minnesota, the Wild entered Friday as the NHL's most average team, with 142 goals for, 142 goals against, 13 wins and 12 losses on the road, 25 regulation and overtime wins, and sitting 15th in the league. Writes itself. Theatre news now, and Nikita Kucherov, since becoming the fastest player in Tampa Bay history to reach 80 points in a season, has landed the role of Danny Zuko in a local production. He really is Grease Lightning. Pouring out for John Gibson's will to live after letting in six goals and 14 shots against Winnipeg in the first period. News from Detroit now as we celebrate German efficiency for the Detroit Red Wings as a player scores two game-winning goals in two days. Well done to you, Danny de Kaiser. <laughs> Finally, Brian Burke and Elias Lindholm are kindred spirits as the former Kane's mocking celebration clearly telegraphs his feelings towards his former team's post-win antics. And that was the smooth recap. 
<laughs> Poor John Gibson. That was that was nasty. Oh, mate, like that's God. That's it, isn't it? That is absolutely it. Oh God, that was terrible. Sorry about okay. um, you got John, John Gibson. Um we we have used Jack Eichel as an example in, in the past, but I don't think he necessarily counts anymore. But like uh Conor McDavid, young players signing very long contracts. With uh, with teams that's, that oh, a lot of yeah. people could see in the near future maybe not being all that good. So um, yeah, definitely. It's a it's a plague, isn't it? <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, who have you got winning the cup? I've got two cup winners this week. Two cup winners. Nice. They're gonna they're gonna lift the top, cup together. It's a uh, big Nick Bukestad and Jared McCann because um. <laughs> How can you not come out winners when you're uh, when you're getting traded to the Pittsburgh Penguins? No matter where they are understanding, no matter how they're doing at that point in time, Dan, you just know that something's going to happen. Something's going to work out. I think Jared McCann, especially, you know, if, if Jake Gensel and Connor Sherry can get paid just by wearing the, the black and yellow, then surely Jared McCann can. Can definitely. I've also Good. got two cup winners. Oh, beautiful! Oh, mate, perfect harmony. There you go. Winning the cup will be the winner of the Champions Hockey League final between Red Bull Munchen and Frölunda, which takes place tomorrow night. Oh, mate. It's going to be a European winner of the cup, Will, for the first, for the first time. Yeah, cool. I, I'd probably put my money on Frölunda because I can't say I could name a single player that's ever played for Red Bull Munchen, but um, you never know. You never know. I fancy Frölunda, though, because it's just... Yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd put my money on Joel Lundqvist and, uh, and Frölunda, personally. Yeah. Who's getting relegated? The Mighty Ducks of Anaheim for extremely obvious reasons. Like, that's, <laughs> if there ever was a straw that broke the camel's back, it's um, <laughs> it's it's what we've already mentioned, Dan. You know, when when your uh, when your goalie is the only one who's keeping you anywhere near relevancy and mediocrity, and he just implodes. Yeah, I think that just about signals the end of your season, really, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. My relegation team is anybody in the West who can't get into that wild card because it's a fucking shit show. Oh, I know we've mentioned this before, but it bears repeating. As the, for some reason, the further we get into the season, the more bunched it's getting. No one wants to pull away. We take out Minnesota because they. Oh no, maybe not actually. <laughs> Colorado have got a game in hand, so never mind. So we'll go from the top wild card spot. So Minnesota, 56 points. Canucks, 54. Avs, 52. Then the Blues, the Coyotes, the Oilers, and the Ducks, 51. And the fucking Blackhawks, who were just, I mean, dead and buried. Completely dead and buried, and now only five points back on 49. On the back of Patrick Kane, I think, having something like 41 points in 19 games. Just <laughs> something absolutely ridiculous. Mate, it's, it's, a, it's a joke. And, and, and joke is the only word for it. The team that are second to bottom in the division are still mathematically in in with a chance of making the playoffs. It's it's not good. It isn't. It isn't good. Like, I d- how can you say, in, in a way it's squandering when say, talent? When you say mathematically, that makes it sound like I mean, yeah, like fifty other things have to go their way. It's not even that. If you if you're a team like Chicago, if they can put five or six wins together. They'll be in the wildcard places because the, yeah. the whole division's just trash. The whole league's just trash. We said this the other week. It's it, it's ridiculous that teams just I don't know. Unless you're Calgary or Tampa Bay, 
nobody, nobody can put like streaks together of, of any kind. No, but th- this is the problem, Dan. They're so far back, not not points wise, but positions in the standings wise. It's not that's like they've just got to rely true. on like one or two teams dropping some points. They've got to rely on six teams to drop points. So fair point, and they're still yeah, and they're still mathematically got a good shot at least at the moment. Oh yeah, I mean, it, it absolutely could happen. It's just it's just ridiculous, and I think to an extent, like we're just spreading as much as you know. Oh, it's nice for every team to have a good player to cheer for and that, but like, what you just got like like Taylor Hall in New Jersey, like he's he's one good player surrounded by fucking bums. I don't know, maybe Connor McDavid in Edmonton, one good player surrounded by bums. Like, I don't know, don't like it's limiting what these amazing players can do for the league by. Forcing Conor McDavid to drag around Zach Cassian and fucking Toby Reader and then seventeen Philadelphia Flyers like it's just <laughs> I don't know I don't know parity parity isn't a good thing it's not a good thing I may be wrong and because God knows I frequently am as my wife likes to tell me but I'm sure this is the parityest of parityest seasons ever. And maybe I say this every year. Maybe I said this on the show last year at this time. I don't know. But this year just feels it's just ridiculous. Is that looking at my own team as a as a Bruins fan, we play a good team. I think yeah, we got a chance tonight. We play a bad team. I know we're going to lose. It's insane. <laughs> it's insane. And we played the Caps the other day, and our defense has been abysmal, just maligned, terrible. And I'm just thinking, oh my god, we fucking like Ov. Kuzi, Oshi, we're just you know we're gonna get murdered, and we won one nil. <laughs> it's a proper a proper scrappy one nil. I was like, this league makes no sense. It makes no sense. The fucking Red Wings beat the Leafs. What? What? It doesn't make any sense. We need, oh, we need a bit of order, a bit of order back in this sport where the good teams are good and the bad teams are bad. Yeah, yeah. We need, there's no actually the Kings. And the Kings ascends. The Kings ascends the Devils, the Red Wings, and the Panthers. That's it. This, Are the Panthers the actually out now? No, they're on fifth. They're nine points back of Columbus. Yeah, that's a, that's a bit too far. And there's even for... one, two. Yeah, there's like there's, there's four teams above them. So that's, that's it. That's I would say far. there's five yeah. actual bad bad teams in the league at this point. Fifty three, fifty four games in. I I hate to be that pernickety, Dan, but that is that's not the right way to word it because there's there are many more than five bad teams. <laughs> there, are, there are a lot of teams that are really bad that just so happens to still be in the in the playoff hunt. Like you know, actually, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah, you're absolutely right. I take that back. Uh, <laughs> you are correct. How many starters you got this week? Uh, I've got I've got a pair of starters. Okay, I'll go first then. This becoming a bit of a habit on the show now, but a lovely story, Will, to start off our starters, which was the Leafs game. There's a Corporal Jeremy Hilson from the Army. His family's out there to drop the puck, and he just magically turns up and surprises them. You the puck? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Here with tonight's ceremonial puck and home from Iraq is Corporal Jeremy Hilson. 
was not a dry eye in the house, as they say. And it was lovely. I'm a sucker for these things. Like army people coming back and surprising people in a box. Of, you know, they're in, wrapped up in a present and they surprise their son on Christmas Day. Oh, it's nice. Like It gets very dusty in your room when that happens. And I uh, suddenly get water in my eyes for some reason. I, I too am a sucker for army people coming back from countries we've invaded to slaughter civilians, personally. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a big fan of that. Um, I, don't, I want them all I to come back. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to say that, but I was thinking it. Feel free to redact it if you feel that's a bit more, um, <laughs> a bit safer. Um, I know. I didn't want to say it. I was thinking it. I was thinking it. But then I was thinking, this guy, to be fair to this guy, he might have just, he's 19, he's got, like, he just, he leaves school, he's got no fucking chance. He's like, oh, fuck it, I'll just, I'll join the army. I know, I knew a guy who did that. Came out of college, didn't know what to do, had no idea, had no direction, was like, fuck it, I'll go in the army. And maybe that's what he did. Maybe he just wasn't thinking. Yeah, I want to go over there and kill loads of indigenous people. <laughs> oh, mate, I'll I'll never just to just just to very quickly round this off before we move swiftly on. Like, I've yeah. got nothing. I've got nothing against soldiers individually at all. Like power power to you, mate. Like you've got fucking more more stones than I ever will. And like you know, thank you for for. Do, you know, doing what you see as right, but it's as as with many of these things, it's the institution around it that makes the terrible decisions. It's not. It's it, in in some ways, it's like you know, complaining to the checkout person at Tesco that Tesco don't pay their taxes or whatever. Like, yeah. checkout person or the infantryman don't have any control over what they're doing or where they're going. They're just following orders and trying to do their job the same as anyone else. So. That's that. But um, there we go. On to as summer. Will tries to, as Will backpedals there as fast as a man can to avoid a kick in from the <laughs> local battalion. What's your first starter, Will? <laughs> uh, well, it's something else that I'm not really a big fan of because I'm begrudgingly going to start Patrick Kane. Um, as oh, um, the aforementioned, the, the aforementioned. Um, we're in in the business of hockey, Dan. Good players play good, and playing good players that play good does good things for your good team that plays good. And you can't get much gooder than 18 goals and 22 assists in 18 games played. So, hats off to you, Patrick. There you go. You talk about players dragging that t- dragging the team. He's dragging that team at the moment. Like 40 points in 18. Oh, it's, it's, how, how do you even do it? I can't, we were talking I can't, about, I can't get my head around it. I remember the other week we were talking about Kucherov had not only overtaken Rantanen in the point screen, but had just blown past him. And I was checking, I thought, oh yeah, because it, it mentioned, obviously I mentioned Kutra, I forgot to 80 points, and I was like, I don't know who's second in points this year, I haven't got a clue. Fucking Patrick, I was like, Patrick Kane? No, it's second not. in points, he's got 76 points. Mate, that's... Yeah. Is, these are the sort of things I'll just lose track of throughout the year, like, it just gets to a point where it's like, what does that, what's uh, what is going on? Next you're going to tell me, like, yeah. him, I don't know, Dustin Brown is, like, leading the league in goals. No? Okay. That's right. good. I'm, I'm glad that things haven't gone that mad. Who, who else have you started, Dan? No, no. Got? I'm going to start a please like my sport, oh my God, somebody mentioned my sport reference, which is in the new series The Punisher, season two on Netflix, a little boy is playing with a toy and Frank has just, well, let's, let's put this bluntly, had sex with his mother <laughs> and the little, the little boy That's... has a Red Wings jersey on. And Frank uh... goes, oh, and Frank says, I'm like, oh, you're a hockey fan. The kid says, yeah. He says, where are you from? He says, New York. And the kid goes, oh, you're not a Rangers fan, are you? And Frank says, yeah, I am. And I thought, oh my God, hockey reference. Clearly the writer is a hockey fan because there's no, there is no way 
however else this you know hockey would get into this show otherwise. Yeah, there's no there's no possible way that anyone other than a diehard hockey fan would have ever heard of the New York Rangers and the Detroit Red, Red Wings. Come on, mate, I can't even speak English today. Jesus Christ. Yeah, they um, would have heard of them, but if you're a, a fan of sports in New York, there might be a couple of other teams, Will, who are a bit more popular than the Rangers. Maybe the writer was just, just a, trying to sound like, you know, play the smartest cool. man in the room. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, yeah, what's, yeah. A, what's the sport that nobody's ever heard of? Ah, hockey. There you go. <laughs> yeah, they were on the table. What team would you pick? I'd pick the Yankees. Oh, that's too obvious. We can't have them. Has New York got a Kabaddi team? No, they haven't. Oh, we'll go with the Rangers then. Fuck it. <laughs> What was your next start? Well, I just wanted to say that I thought when you were talking about um, the Punisher referencing hockey, I thought it was going to be that as one of his punishments for maybe a, a, a gorilla cell or whatever, instead of killing him, he was going to buy him all centre season tickets or something like that. <laughs> I thought he was going to make him play the Oilers' third line. <laughs> get on the ice. Nice little subversion of expectations there. Um, yeah. <laughs> My uh, my next starter is going to be um, the only team in Germany I've ever heard of, uh, Alder Mannheim. Uh, their their warm up jersey so wore the other night. Oh, I didn't I, um, see these. Very nice little thing here. They were designed by children. Oh, cool! I want to say it was for charity. <laughs> I assume it was for charity. Or maybe but like yeah. an awareness thing or something. Yeah, I think so. And then they like auctioned them off and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's pretty funky. It's just cool. Good on you, good. Near, there's a there is a town near where I live called Middlewich, and as you drive through it, there are little signs. The kit, local oh, children man. have decorated the road signs. Like, please slow so, like, down. Please don't. Thing. Yeah, please slow down. And so, I'm sure one of them says one of them's to the point because let's be honest, you want the truth. Ask a child, obviously. One of them is very much to the point, which is something like, "Please don't kill children. Slow down." <laughs> I was like, "Fucking hell! All right, you got me there. I'll slow down." I can't argue with that, guys. I know. I'll just, stop slaughtering kids. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. The last starter for this week, and my final starter, is did you see that the Super Bowl had male cheerleaders last night? No, I don't. I saw I had one male cheerleader in um, Adam Levine, but um, that was about it. That. Fuck. No, I can't even, I'm not even talking about that. That's that's a rage. Wait, who, yeah, who's, the, uh, going, sing- who's going shirtless in that sort of weather? Like, that's... Oh, God. A man who thinks he should have his shirt off for some reason. I don't fucking know. To, to be fair, if anyone deserves to have their shirt off, I'd probably say he's he's in with a shout of being that man. No, that's a fair point. I can't argue with that. Am I just slightly jealous? Yes. That's not the point. So everyone shut up. It's neither here nor yeah, there. Yeah, male cheerleaders. The St. Louis... Uh, the, sorry, the St. Louis Rams. Quote. The <laughs> LA Rams had male cheerleaders. And it was the first time in history male cheerleaders had been at the Super Bowl. And I'll tell you why I like this. I don't have an issue with eye candy at sporting events. So they had like, you know, they had like the grid girls in Formula One, the ice girls as well. They had the girls who walked on darts players. And I know the idea was to get rid of it because that it is sexist and it does promote a certain way of looking at women. But then a lot of these women would say, well, hang on a minute. I, I make a lot of money doing this. All I've got to do is walk this guy 50 paces down to the fucking dartboard. And I can make a fortune. So I would just say, well, why don't you have, for the grid girls, like in Formula 1, they have one side is really hot girls, the other side is really hot guys. And they will, doesn't that just count, just counterbalance it? But I know why they don't. Because the fucking men who run this, run these sports, are like, oh my god, 
I, we can't have a man with his top off. <laughs> it's disgraceful. Because they're fucking jealous, that's why. Whereas I'm like, yeah, I can appreciate a good looking man now and again. And I think they should have it. Same with the Ice Girls. Just fucking have like have five shirtless rip dudes going out there. Just skating around, clearing up hats and shit. Okay. You get your, your combination of, uh, of Page 3 and Magic Mike. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And it's a market for it. And let's yeah, be there honest, is well, a market these for it. Days, like, they've made bloody films handsome. about bloody Magic Mike. Like. Yeah. And, but let's be honest, handsome, sexy men these days just can't get a fair shake. I think it's disgraceful. If I, uh, this, are you looking for work, Dan? Is that what this is? That's what it is, yeah. I can't... <laughs> I've applied to all these places. Just let me take my top off. They're like, uh, no, get out. Stop it, for the love of God. I um, Sorry I was a bit, a bit slow there, because I've just noticed and been mildly gobsmacked by um, Blake Wheeler. Uh, currently sitting eighth in scoring, 64 points in uh, in 52 games. He's uh, okay. He's got a split of 10 goals and 54 assists, and he's shooting at 6.6%. Like, fucking... Hats off to you, Blake. <laughs> Fair enough. I, d- I just don't think like uh, nobody else is anywhere near that sort of has. Uh, nobody else in the top twenty has scored less than twenty goals, and he's sitting on ten. Crazy. There you go. Um, I've got one scratch, Dan. How many scratches have yeah. you got? I just got the one, so I'll let you go first. That's fine. We've uh, we've had a bit of a chip open about this one before already, so um, as you know, I'm scratching myself. But this week for reading comprehension or lack thereof, as um, I uh, I misread the Artemi Panarin controversy this week, and um, read it as he's willing to negotiate during the season, so I just gave it a cursory glance. Oh, all right, see you later. And then was very confused why people were losing their mind about Artemi Panarin for the rest of the day. <laughs> so sorry, sorry, mum and dad for uh, not learning how to read. You go. You should say sorry to your primary school teachers as well if you tried to teach you that skill. I probably should, but um, I won't. So there we go. Unfortunately, my scratch this week is serious. I read the yeah, I read the article on Sportsnet about uh, Kim Aliu, who was the, uh, oh, yeah. the guy who was with the hazing drafted in two thousand five to the NHL to the Winter Spitfires. And long story short, he wouldn't take part in a hazing ritual, which was they locked a load of the veterans locked the young players naked in the toilet at the back of the bus and made them stand in there. There was something else with him having to clean something up and he ended up being targeted in practice by an older player, Steve Downey, and there was a fight, but before the fight, Downey had crunched into Ali on a, a purposeful hit and knocked out seven of his teeth. And I'm all for young players paying dues. I think it's a good thing. I think, especially with... You need to learn those life lessons sometimes. It, it goes back to sort of football, young footballers cleaning older footballers' boots and making sure the kit was ready and all that kind of thing. you just got to learn, okay, this is where we've come from and I should be aware of the history and guys who've come before me and all that kind of thing. But, you know, doing shit like making them pick up other people's shit or fuck a chicken naked and all that crap, that's just, a, that's just abusive and it's fucking ridiculous. And I don't I don't know why it's a thing. I, it's yeah. a... Yeah. That was there, yeah, there's a very thick and obvious line between you know making the rookies get the you know pick the pucks up at the end of practice or getting the goals out and putting them away and yeah fucking like systematic mental abuse of of young hockey players just because they're new to your team like yeah like like you say Dan it's it's good to 
it's, it's a good way for especially kids to like learn respect for your for your elders and like yeah the people who have more experience than you but yeah yeah we can't be fucking yeah doing that shit I haven't even got any jokes for it because that would be highly inappropriate yeah there we go <laughs> a fabulous segue well into something highly inappropriate hey <laughs> hit me with, with it Ah oh, dear Pierre 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 Pierre, Pierre. Oh, mate I'm well aware that everyone is already completely obvious and knowledgeable about what I'm going to say, and it's been discussed ad nauseum, but this is mine and Will's show, so we're going to fucking do it again. <sighs> Let's be honest, Will. We're lucky that Kendall coined to find a way to the rink, because women drivers, am I right? Ha <laughs> ha! You know how them birds hey? be. Oh, you know them birds. My, I tell you, my mother-in-law, oh, let me tell you. And they had to put her in between the booths because normally if she's behind glass, there's a sink next to it. <laughs> oh, Pierre, your God. turn. Fucking hell. You know, I like to put YouTube clips in sometimes and mm. I can't, I, I can't put this in because it was so cringy. I couldn't listen to it again to like decide where to cut it and put it in. It's not going to be in. This isn't a, like a joke. I was so, it made me, made my palms sweaty because I was just, oh no, 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 no. Oh God, he's going to say it. And I listened to it once and I was done and I couldn't do it again. I couldn't do it again. I need your thoughts on this while I dry my hands. I mean, I, I similarly could only listen to it once because I didn't want to give it any more time in my brain. But um, I, I want to, I want to give him the benefit of a doubt of the doubt to an extent. Like what he said was absolutely unacceptable. Um, the the presumptions that led him to say the things that he said, and like the culture around the sport that has led him to have these feelings and think that it's acceptable to speak to women this way. You know, eight five time IIHF gold medalist, a two time Olympic go uh, gold medalist in the reserves, and a current professional hockey player, arguably one of the best <laughs> in the world. Yeah, when uh, Pierre Maguire hasn't been directly involved in hockey in other, anything other than a media capacity in roughly 25 years. Um, that's neither here nor there, though. I do want to give him a little bit of, of you know, benefit of the doubt in the sense that... Um, I forget who said it or where I heard it, but someone once said, and I, it's really stuck with me ever since, like... A lot of the time, someone's being a dick, they're just trying to be funny but aren't very good at it. And I can sort of see an element of that with Pierre and like an almost an, an element of sincerity. Like he's not necessarily trying to be a dick, he's just trying to be a bit jovial with like, oh, you know, oh we're paying you to you know, we're paying you to commentate, we're not paying you to be a fan, like ha ha ha. But it's just not reading the situation and it's everything else around it that means that even if it was meant in a completely innocent way and there was no malice or direct sexism meant by Pierre, it's the sort of shit that you just can't say because of the climate we're in, because of the connotations and how your words are going to be be perceived, you know, the optics of it. It's And, and quite frankly, without how, how it's going to rub off on Pierre he had an opportunity to lead the way, the whole of the NBC crew did, to lead the way in just normalising women's involvement in, in NHL hockey. And uh, they failed at the first hurdle. 
and surprise, surprise, fucking Pierre did it. I'm not going to defend him, but there is he is clearly just old man mentality that, oh my God, there's a woman here. I'd better make this clearly as clear as possible as what's happening right now because she doesn't know. And that is just, that's just how old men think. It is not right at all. And somebody should have said to him, you know what, I almost think that someone else, one of the executives or something, should be held accountable in some way because they should have just known he would have been like this. Any old guy commentating on the sport, if if, if they've just been stood next to men or talking to men for 15 years, you put a woman in there, regardless of who she is, they're going to fuck it up. They're just going to fuck it up because, as we said last week, men are dumb. We are just stupid. And I don't think for one second he's doing it maliciously or trying to belittle her in any way. But it absolutely comes across that he is. And somebody should have gone to him and said, just be aware. You know who this is, right? Like, you know what she does. You know, you don't need to tell her anything. She's fucking awesome at it as well. Off the back of just the fucking All-Star weekend, where she was literally one of only two of the highlights, and the other highlight was another woman, you should have... Somebody should have said to him, don't fuck this up, Pierre, because it's going to come down on you like a fucking sumo wrestler if you do. And he just... It was awful. It was awful. So the two... And I'm not... Oh no, go on, go on. No, yeah, and I'm not some. I'm not somebody who gets embarrassed. I'm very much, uh, even in real life, my day to day. Just say, say what you're thinking, say how you feel. That's just, that's just how I am. I don't sugarcoat things. I just tell you my feelings. But even I was just watching this, going, "Oh my god, no! Oh god, no!" And it was just icky. I think watching it, you can see that Kendall Kendall Coyne Schofield is just. As soon as Pierre starts talking, she's like, right, just shut off for a minute. Don't listen to him. Don't even think about what he's saying. As soon as he stops, then wake up and do your bit. But what you said about the executives being held accountable, Pierre doesn't, you know, Pierre does have interactions with, you know, coaches on, on the bench when he's interviewing them, asking them direct questions. But he's not like a studio host. He doesn't have experience cutting to another analyst. Yeah, you know, aside from what he's doing it in in the middle of a broadcast, which he's abjectly abjectly not good at already, someone yeah. should have had at least a rough script for him to say, right, Pierre, just say this, and then let you know let your your colleague, as you keep proclaiming, because they're paying her to work there, so I've heard, let her do her thing. Because that, that's another thing. Her and her and Pierre were equals on that broadcast, and it absolutely didn't come across that way. If you to a lot of fans, me included, you included, I know that, she's way past him. She's way past him. He just talks about hockey. Like, she plays hockey. <laughs> she's really, really good at it. She's really good at it. She's so good at it, people gave this woman valuable pieces of metal to take with her at all times if she cho- if she so chooses to say, look how fucking good I am at hockey. This is how good I am. I've got a medal. And it's just... He's just in old man, oh, woman, shit, mode. What do I do? What do I say? Oh, here's Tampa. Here's Pittsburgh. What? <laughs> You're telling this woman which teams are which. 
do you not think she realises that? Do you not think, as a hockey player, she might actually watch hockey now and again? She's not fucking... Who was that left-back for Tottenham who he hated football? And he oh, said he was uh, just good at it. Ben Warasimakai. Yeah. Little backstory. Famously, this footballer paid thousands and thousands, like tens of thousands of pounds a week, so I don't even watch football. I hate it. I'm just really good at it. <laughs> like, what, you bastard? This play, isn't played, that. played in World Cups, played in the Premier League. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, mate. So this good. This isn't that. You like... You like... <sighs> and it's... It is. It, it probably is that now. Question. Like, yeah. Kendall Coyne's probably is... got over like a fatty sport. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Quit. Fucking idiots. This is the absolute pinnacle of mansplaining. Just the absolute pinnacle. If you ever need to show anybody who doesn't believe it's a real thing, show them this. Just show them this. Just say, watch this man who just talks about hockey for maybe five minutes a show explain to an Olympic gold medalist which two teams are which and what's going to happen oh my god and uh, I'm, I'm much like a, a cis white man that you are Dan you've um, taken the words right out of my mouth yeah Christ almighty to be fair so Pierre responded to the criticisms usual bullshit I didn't mean this I didn't mean that it came across the wrong way I've known her for years. I think she's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. Usual fucking... Just usual old man apology in which there's actually no apology. <laughs> Which is just fucking typical. And to be fair to Kendall Coyne Schofield, she didn't throw Pierre under the bus, but she did make a point of saying he didn't look good. Which also... Good. I'm glad. Because she could have been thinking, oh God, I'd better just ignore it or I'd better not say anything. But she didn't. But- she made a point and said... Yeah, it it doesn't come across well. You know, it looks it looks bad. Yeah, she but, she didn't. I mean, it'd have been better if she'd have got a bit further. But at least she didn't just say, "Oh no, it's fine." Me and Pierre are the best friends ever. Like blah blah blah. Yeah, I'd I'd love to read the um the unedited version of Pierre's apology where he says, um, "I've known Kendall for years. Uh, ever since she was playing minor midget hockey in in a." In northern Michigan, <laughs> right through to where she represented the University of Wisconsin, was drafted. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Ah, oh, mate. Ah, oh, dear. Should we? Um, dear, dear, dear. Let's move on. Should we? Uh, should we? Should we point out that none of this matters because Kendall Quinn Schofield hates Colin Kaepernick, and then by association, she's a bit of a piece of shit. Oh no! 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 Oh shit! <laughs> we can't do that either, can we? Oh god, I'm all sweaty. I don't like it. It's fine. I whispered it. No one's <sighs> gonna hear. Nobody's seen it, have they? I've not seen anything else about it. I saw that one little bit, but I don't, I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't fit the narrative of what <sighs> we're looking for. I know. Just in case you don't know, folks, I sent Will a tweet that somebody had, had pointed out, um, obviously on the Twitter machine, uh, that was Kendall Quinn Schofield's tweet, which has now been deleted, this tweet, saying, how dare Colin Kaepernick kneel? Something like that. You know, he's he's disrespecting our troops. And then I got then I got even more sweaty. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no. And I was hoping, I was hoping it was, it might not be, re- it might not be real because it, again, it's the internet. Who fucking knows? Oh but, yeah, I think oh, God. That. I know, but I've not seen anything about it since. It's not blown up on anywhere. It's not come on on anything. I've not seen any other tweets about it. The tweet I saw had only had something like 150 likes and 
a hundred retweets or something. So I don't even know if it's real or not. But, I don't know. To an extent, like, what's the point of fabricating that? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was Pierre's son. <laughs> Not even Pierre's son, just Pierre paid someone to Photoshop it. Oh, yeah, yeah. He just paid some guy to do it. Just a guy to Photoshop it. Oh, God. It's all a mess. Don't like it. I don't like it. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah. Speaking of it's all a mess, what else is happening in the NHL this week, Dan? Let's talk about the Jake Muzzin trade. Boy. Have I got some huge takes here, Will? Let me tell you. Uh, yeah, I've I got none, actually. It's, it's, it's a really good. Yeah, it's a really good deal, isn't it, for both teams? I'd, I'd, yeah, I got nothing. Sorry. Yeah, um, you got anything for this? Yeah, it's just yeah. I mean, it's a fine deal, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's, 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 it's good, good for good, good for Leafs, I think. Like, because um. Was it? It was Carl Grundstrom, Sean Dursey, and a first first round pick. Our first round pick is going to be anywhere from you know twenty four above, sort of thing. Yeah. Um, which is fine. That's the sort of thing you sacrifice for a a, a quality top pairing D man that would slot into most top pairs in the league. Um, that you've got for another eighteen months, perfect. You know, he's an insurance for letting Gardner walk at the end of the season, which is probably going to be the right thing to do. Um, especially now that you've got basically an upgrade over Gardner anyway. Uh, yeah. And, I mean, Grundstrom and Dursey looking like good prospects, but by no means a sure thing. By no means a sure thing. Um, that's where I think maybe, maybe the Kings could have gotten a little bit more, especially where, where the Leafs, they're maybe a bit, they might have ri- a richer prospect pool than just Dursey and Grundstrom, but at least you've got a pair out of them. To an extent, there's there's got to be a good way of looking at it where you're getting two prospects with a good chance rather than just one with a slightly better chance. So, yeah, and I think that usual yeah. the going rate the going rate that we always discuss of a player who can play now a prospect and a first, the Kings maybe weren't looking at that because they need it's an old team, you know they they need to fill up their prospect pool, don't they? So they were just That's... looking at okay. We need two two good young players instead of one good young player and a thirty two year old. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think um I think Grundstrom's a bit closer. He's closer than Dursey will be. Like in theory, he could he could make an appearance next season for the Kings. I reckon. So I did enjoy yeah, I did good. enjoy the seventeen Sportsnet articles about Jake Muzzin after he got traded. That's always fun to see. It's but, it's, it's a hard thing with this one because like it is a big trade. Jake Muzzin's a big player, but he's not a very interesting player. Like he's yeah. he's just a good, you know, solid D man. He, he's he's you know, like the best version of Mark Mathot you could ever get. <laughs> Which you know, like not, it's no knock on Jake Muzzin's ability, but no, it's, not at all. Yeah, it's a great it's, deal. It's a great it's deal just, for them. It's just not flashy. It's just not very yeah, not very buzzy. It's not exciting, is it? It's not a holy shit. You're kidding me. It's more. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that makes sense. Yeah, that's good. That's good. That's good. He did have a uh, a quality hit on Jake Gensel last night. Did you see that one? Oofed. Yes, I did. Fantastic. Just coming in, taking the puck, and then taking the body. Oh, it's just beautiful. And again, it's that sort of thing that Muzzin does. But that that's his highlight. That is his absolute highlight. Just great, solid defensive play with a bit of physicality in there. Yeah. But it's yeah. He's 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 not a point produ- point producing machine. Allah, his former partner. And then we move on to another trade, the Penguins trade. 
and Derek Brassard and Riley Sheehan, a second and two fourths for Jared McCann and Nick Bukestad. Do you how do you feel about this one? I think um the Panthers really missed a trick because um one of those fourth round picks was uh, the fourth round pick that Pittsburgh reacquired from Dallas for Jamie Alexiak. So the Panthers have inadvertently missed out on Jamie Alexiak and thus lost the trade. <laughs> I love this trade. Do you know why? Why? Because Jim Rutherford has you, seen two you plays he's traded for. Jim Rutherford. This is amazing, right? How many GMs, how many GMs they they trade for a player and it doesn't work, but they just go, no, it'll work in the end. That's fine. It'll work in the end. It'll work in the end. Oh, we'll just buy him out. And that's what happens. Jim Rutherford realises, all right, I fucked up those two players. I'm going to get rid of them both in the same trade for two new players. How can you not? In- that's that's so good. That's such a good deal. For, for the old, know, we, well, the second just, no. oldest and whitest dude in the NHL, that's pretty impressive. I know, that's it's always a joke, isn't it? Oh, hey, Sonny Jim, back in my day, and all this stuff. But I just, I think this is absolute great GMing, just great GMing. He's got a couple of good players back from um, from the Panthers for it as well. I love me a bit of Big Nick. Big Nick is yep. he's, he's a good player, really, really good player. If he's if he's starting as the Penguins' third line centre, you're absolutely laughing. But he can also play wing in, in the top six, so perfect. Parfait. Which leads us to Florida, as Elliot Friedman pointed out, the man who mocks, uh, mimics himself after you will, that looks like Florida are making space for a double, a double swoop for Bobrovsky and Panarin. That that's uh, the talk that's heated up a bit this week, isn't it? Yeah, it has. I feel, Especially I feel as like... I as I realise that I, I think I put this on the run sheet, but Panarin's, Panarin's agent has told. Columbus to basically fuck off for now. Oh, is he? I fuck thought that you told him I'm happy to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. No. I, I yeah, these two things interlink, of course, with Dan Milstein saying that, sorry, we're not discussing a contract till the season's over. We're going to focus on a Stanley Cup. Dan, Dan Milstein just looks like a shyster, doesn't he? Like, There's just something about oh, yeah, him. Proper shyster. Proper I feel little... all agents are, though. But I feel if, I feel if I had an agent... I want the fucking shysterest shyster since fucking Erwin R. Shyster from the WWF circa 1991. I want a shysty agent. I don't want a guy who's all nice and does proper deals. I want fucking under the table dealings and all that, and all that shit. You're the nastiest little fucker in the business. Yeah, exactly. That's what I want. With um, with Panarin and Bobrovsky to to uh, to Florida, like it's it's one of those things that. You just you don't hear about you don't hear a single thing about it. Nobody's even thought of it in their wildest dreams, and then suddenly all the all the podcasts, all the articles are saying, as everyone knows, word is that Panarin and Bobrovsky are on their way to Florida. <laughs> what do you mean? As we know, like you haven't you haven't got your bloody texts linked up to Twitter, Elliot. Come on, we're not all in in the loop. I'm not going. I'm not going to pretend I I don't go to anywhere else either. It's Elliot. It's always Elliot. He gives he just gives him he just gives me all the scoops, and then I just come in here and say, "Well, as Elliot said, fucking <laughs> other places are well, yeah, other places will say, well, of course, it was always the idea that Florida was making room for Bobrovsky, but was it? I had no idea. But it's good for me for the end. They they make five million. They made they made five million 
in cap space with this move as well. So it's possible. Well, the uh, the Penguins or the the Panthers. The Panthers, yeah, they they made five million more really? in cap space now. Yeah. Wait, how much does did don't, they? Don't ask me to get to numbers. Well, as I've said a million times, I read this on the internet. It must be true. <laughs> I read it on Twitter two Jared, days ago. M- McCann and Bukestad must have been making a lot more money than I thought they were. More than Brassard and Sheehan, obviously. Well, yeah, again, like. And it's oh, a good there move we go. Florida. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think yeah. it's a good move. Like, like Brassard's a decent little player, and and they're not. The weird thing is, they're not wanting for forwards. I'd have thought they'd be more more interested in taking like an Ollie Matter back than uh, than Derek Brassard. Well, the rumor is now that, as I read this as well on the Twitter machine, is that Brassard's now going to get moved again before the deadline. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Flip Brassard for a bit of uh, defensive help. Someone who's locked yeah. up a little bit. Um, that's what I do. Defensive they... help and maybe another like a third or a fourth, like a third or a fourth or something like that. Oh yeah, definitely in there as well. Because yeah, at the Get moment, the it's similar abuse dad, like there isn't really space for Brazil in the top six, and they've yeah, exactly. got they have got players coming. Panthers do. Uh, Henrik yeah, Borgström, Alexi Hepaniemi, uh, Owen Tippett, like they. If the Panthers put it all together, like they could be an absolute force. As I'm sure we've said for the past five years, <laughs> if the Panthers can just pull it together, trust me. Next, year, next year's the year, Daniel. Next year's first. the year. Next, yeah, yeah, that next year is definitely the, the Coyotes as well. Will definitely next year is their year. Definitely, they we, just saw these injury problems. Definitely next year is their year. We uh, we need to earmark this um, this part of the podcast <laughs> just to lift it and paste it into like an annual show. <laughs> yeah, till the end of time. Here's a question um, then. Go on, hit me. Panam Bobrovsky, trade wise, what would you do? What if I was uh, if I was Yarmo Kekalainen? You are Yarmo Kekalainen, the king of the Scrabble board in his native country with all his K's. I feel, I feel like in his native country, like Scrabble's a lot harder. <laughs> You're more like a, like cat is the highest scoring word in, in Finnish Scrabble. Because um, it's spelled with a K, that's why. Hey. Two Zs for some reason. <laughs> well, Go on then, Bobrovsky, Kate. Kate, oh yeah. See, um, I, uh, I don't know. I think I'd. The problem is, Panarin doesn't want to stick around. That's that no. much is clear. Panarin, like, <laughs> oh you, oh we don't want to, we don't want to negotiate during the season. Like, get out of here, mate. Get out of here. We all saw what happened with Johnny T last year. You're not, you're not staying. Um. And if I'm Kekalainen, I don't want to keep Bobrovsky at this stage because he's thrown such a paddy about this whole situation. Plus, he's a flake in the playoffs. Plus, he's going to demand so much money that we're probably going to get two, if not you know, three years if you're lucky into the deal and he's going to just turn into a shadow of his former self that I don't want to be the one signing that contract anyway. So I think I'd flip both of them. But... Would you, would you agree with? And I've heard this on a couple of podcasts that if you're Columbus, at some point you have to go for it. And is this a season you go for it? It's it's that one of like, oh yeah, you know, you could trade Panarin for an absolute king's ransom. You might even get an Artemi Panarin back. Like, but I just I I don't see him going all the way. But then I don't see anyone going all the way until they go all the way. You know what I mean? Like. 
It's a really hard exactly. one. And this it's is probably NHL. the reason why we I'm not Jan Kekalainen. Yeah, we know this now. It's NHL. Nobody wins the cup until they win the cup. Because fucking anyone can beat anyone on any day. Get into a seven-game series, you fucking never know, do you? But then on the on the flip side of that, I agree with what you're saying. And I can't remember who said, but somebody said, well, they're going to have an absolute fortune in cap space this summer to play within free agency, the Blue Jackets. So you're not really losing. If Panone and Borowski decide to leave, you're not, you've not lost everything because you've still got a ton of free agency space. And I was thinking, yeah, but if you trade them, you'll have all that free agency cap room and a load of firsts and some players back as well. So you can really go for it. I, th- I think. I don't know. If I was if I was Kekalainen, I wouldn't I wouldn't just you know if the best offer I've got for Panera was a second and bloody Tom Sestito, then I'm not going to take that offer. Yeah, yeah. And I I'd, I'd be looking more for like RFA players, like you know, Andre Borokovsky's. He's an RFA that teams would want to you know drop you know cut bait on. That's going to be a bit more of a sure thing, sort of, sort of thing, more of a known commodity. Excuse me, a known commodity rather than like, yeah, a late first round pick or whatever, or some some other prospect that's not played a game in the NHL. Like, I don't know. You don't you get wanna... that many. You don't get that many deals for rentals that are like that. But yeah, I'd want something no. that's a bit more, a bit more of a sure thing. Yeah, I'm the same. I would, I would want to. I'm not just going to flip him just to get something because you might get nothing. The something I get has got to be bloody well good if I'm going to get rid of Panarin because then because what you want to do is you want to you want to flip him to a team who's maybe in the west in one of those wildcard places and just hope they fall off a cliff <laughs> so you're getting a lottery pick at, so you're getting a lottery pick even if it's a high lottery on, pick mate. it's still a lottery I'm pick that's what you want to do you want to flip him to I don't know yeah like the wild or something like that and hope that they just for some reason drop off <laughs> no, you, want to, you want to flip him back to Chicago for a first and Dylan Strome that's what you want. Yeah, that's what you want. No, I agree. I agree. It's, it's, I, I, it's, it's a tough me. position. I'd look at yeah, look at what you can get. If it's a good offer, take it. If not, just go for it. Because, like you say, you never know. This is it, and you and you're gonna have a much better chance with uh, with Panarin um, and Pavlovsky as your backup than you would do with without Panarin. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Chicago, a little interesting thing I saw. Not not to dwell on this too much, but I. I don't usually hear this coming out from players, but apparently Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith have been asked to waive their no-move clauses and both have said no. It brings it's an interesting point because we always hear about like we say about, you know, players getting traded and they don't have a choice and blah blah blah, but then I I do forget sometimes that players do have no trade, no moves, and it just I'm like, oh god, yeah, they can they can still say no, can't they? Players will and I don't blame them. Do you like do you blame these players? No, like it's the same difference as you know, having a, having an inflated cap pit, a la, I want to know, Brent Seabrook maybe. Like, <laughs> you're, you're well within your right to sign that contract, and once you've signed that contract, like, power to you, mate. Like, you've, you, whether you've earned that money or not, you've, you've earned it in your own way by tricking someone into thinking that you're worth that money. And similar with a no-move clause. Don't sign your players to no-move clauses if you don't want them to, like, enact them. Yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not just like a sort of. I don't know. Show a good faith, like, like Carl Dubas saying he's not going to trade William Nylander. Um, yeah, I, I don't get it. Like I saw a fantastic tweet. I forget who who tweeted it, but um, the the gist of it was um, 
Brent Seabrook has done whoever is trying to trade Brent Seabrook for for Brent Seabrook a great favour by not waving his no move clause. What's the last? Perfect. Sort of right perfect. out of there. And Duncan Keith, Duncan Keith was asked about. I'm sure it was a reporter asked him about the season, and he he made a really good point: is that things can turn around quickly in hockey, really quickly. And we've seen now with hello the New York Islanders for fuck's sake that Chicago is trending the right way at the moment when they've got Patrick Kane putting up points galore. And who's to say next season it's not... At the moment, hockey seems like it's just it, it, some teams have a turn and then next season other teams have a turn. It doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it anymore. And who's to say next season that Chicago are not back in the hunt in some way? And all your family's there and you've got your whole life there. And if you can enact the fact that, oh, I don't have to move anywhere, then take it. I then yeah, I don't blame them one bit. It's especially for players in in Keith and Seabrook's stage of their career. You know, they're they're yeah. seeing out the the swan song sort of thing. They, I know they, for a fact that they both have um have kids. And like you say, why would you move when you don't have to? And especially if you do, I, I, yeah, I believe they do have true love for that franchise, and they want to stick around to try and be the solution. Like Brent Seabrook isn't waking up every day thinking, "Oh, I'm a shit hockey player now." He still thinks he's he can make a difference, I would imagine. Or even if he not. understands that he's not at the level that he that he I is. I hope he wakes up and thinks I'm shit, but fuck it. They fuck themselves over, not me. Let's have it. He's gonna lean into it. Stop taping his stick. No, just <laughs> Yeah. Uh, gonna lean into it. Just wakes up in the morning next to his missus. Off to work, honey. Ah yes. The fucking shit houses. See you later. <laughs> Off I go. Oh, mate, who um was it? Winston Bogard, the old uh, the old Chelsea player. Was that it? Go on. What did you do? Didn't you? Uh, maybe I'm thinking of the wrong person. The guy who he got signed to like fifty grand a week or something, and this was when fifty grand a week was something, and he just became really shit overnight. <laughs> and um, he was always on the bench for Chelsea, and there were loads of articles saying, "Oh, he should ask for a." Uh, you know, like he was refusing to agree with terms with other teams because he knew he wasn't going to get as much money. He was like, I don't care, I'd rather <laughs> sit on the bench and earn more money than, than go and play somewhere else for less money. Have you ever heard about that? That does, that does sound right, actually, yeah. I can imagine plenty of players doing that, though. Especially if you're, you know, like, especially in a sport like hockey. I mean, you just never, it's, it's so ridiculous that you just never know when something bad's going to happen to you. And it doesn't have to be a it doesn't have to be a devastating injury, but just constant like hip problem, constant knee problem, constant ankle problem. Like especially now concussions, you just never know when your time is your time. So why the fuck? Like, yeah, I'm going to sign that contract, and then I'm going to say, oh by the way, I've been like really hurt the past year. I need surgery. You've just signed a contract. Yes, I have. <laughs> I'll see you later. And that's Sorry it. about that. The Carolina Hurricanes will. I'm familiar now, with their work. Yeah. We've mentioned them earlier in the season when they were clapping and then jumping into the into the glass there. And I said I wanted more from it. I wanted it to be, you know, you can't just do that every time. I want to see different things. This week they debuted Duck Duck Goose. It's a game of tag. Oh, it's tag. I thought it was Duck Duck Goose. Well, good. It's probably that too, but anyway, 
and they're going to go all night with this. Are you violently against this, Will? Like some people are. I'm a. I'm not violently against it, but as the last time we um we spoke about it, Dan, like it does let my inner my inner Berkey out a little bit. <laughs> oh no, I, I d- knew it. Not not that I have any problem with them doing it strictly. I just think it's a bit lame. Like I don't know, it's just like I can't I can't help it. Whenever I watch them do one of these post win celebrations, there is just part of me is like, oh mate, it's just a bit. I don't know, it's just sad. Like, I don't think it brings disrespect upon the game of hockey or I don't think they're embarrassing their wives and their fathers or any nonsense like that. It's just like... <laughs> they're dead mothers. I'm just a little bit glad that my team aren't doing it because, yeah, it's just a bit like, oh, mate, who knows fucking losers. The thing is, though, for years and years, people... Well, still, people just didn't want to go to Hurricanes games. How else are you going to get them into the building? you got mate, to do something. Mate, if, if playing Duck Duck Goose after a win has been the difference between getting people in or not into your building to watch your hockey games, it's fucking over, mate. Pack it, <laughs> pack it up, move to Quebec, call it a day. Like, if you need to play... That, that's not minting new hockey fans, that's minting new fans of Duck Duck Goose. And they, they only played one round of it as well. Absolute, yeah, absolute that was joke. That's what annoyed me, actually. It's like, hang on, where's the rest of it? Keep playing. No, never mind. Do you know what I hope, though? I hope they fucking win the cup and then play Kiss Chase around the cup. And then fucking... Kiss Chase. and Sebastian Ahak and French kiss each other at centre ice. Just to fuck off all the old people. Who were like, oh my God, this is a disgrace. Oh, really? Let's watch two fucking men go off with each other. Jesus Christ. Oh, no, fuck it. They can play... They can fucking play Soggy Biscuit. That's what they can play. How about that? No. No, you know not about that, personally. Yeah, of course I know what Soggy Biscuit is. But yeah. <laughs> should we explain to the people, Will? I'll let you explain. I, d- I, d- I, d- I do not think we should. I do not think we should at all. Google it if you want to, uh, if you want to find out what that is. No, Wait. I'm going to explain it. I'm on a roll. I'm going to explain it, Will. <laughs> Please. <laughs> For the love of God. For the love of God. <laughs> Here I, we go. I, I've, no. just, I've just had a very vivid image in my mind of, of, uh, of Aho and Svechnikov making out. Kissing each while, other. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. While wearing those black and red... Cage jerseys and you know I don't know Justin Williams in the background lifting the cuff above his head and I kind of like it. <laughs> I'm kind of into it. I feel like I feel like we need more of that in in hockey. Yeah. Oh my god! I just you know how they need to do it, don't you? They start at each end of the ice and just skate towards each other slowly, doing the clap, and then as they get to center ice, they just French kiss. And yeah, I agree. I can now see that like, Justin Williams in the background hoisting the cup as everyone cheers. I feel like this is descending in some weird, well, not weird, but just a fantasy of yours, Dan, which I, fair play to you. Do you know what it is? When I, when I see people, not you, obviously, because you're, you, you're not annoyed about it because it's disrespecting. You're just like, oh, I just think it's a bit, a bit cringy. I just, want, I just want the other people involved to just go so far the other way just to really fuck them off. I'm sure that's why they're doing it now. I'm sure they're doing it for that reason. Just to piss off all the old timers. No, 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 no. It's like, hilarious. If if they just start like getting off of each other, that's not going to piss Berkey off because Berkey's massive in the LGBTQ plus community now. All right, this is going to take it on a completely, completely different. Um... Oh, by the way, don't forget as well. I'm still going to explain soggy biscuit. No, no, you're not. I'm going to I'm going to filibuster until we have to go to bed. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> the podcast the podcast is 17 hours long.
Because we'll just wouldn't stop talking. Very, very, very long story short, uh, one of Ryan Burke's sons uh, came out as gay, uh, one of the very few openly gay members in the hockey community, and then he died in a car crash less than a month later. Um, so, yeah, the Hurricanes um, get off of each other. I don't think it's going to get Berkey's back up. What I'd rather see them do is uh, play What's the Time, Mr. Wolf, if you want to piss off Berkey. <laughs> Just go more and more childish. Hmm. Absolutely. Brian Burke is a real ovens. human being underneath all of that. But um just Come a real on, human being doesn't like uh he just doesn't like kids' games. He's not uh, his his politics to an extent are, are relatively okay, it seems. Just his stance on um on silliness. Let me tell you something. The other night they were playing this game, the Hurricanes, and and they won the game, they do the clap. And then they sit down and have a tea party. A tea party with small doilies and, oh, it was just disgraceful. It was disgraceful. Pretty <laughs> disrespect to the game. Uh, it's more disgraceful than a bit of a tea party without small doilies. That's a like, fair That's a They great weren't point. even equipped for the damn tea party. <laughs> so, soggy biscuit, right? What are you doing? <sighs> I'm not fucking having this. Are you not having it? Come on, I really want to do it. No, we can't. We, we can't, like, no. No, we're not. We're not fifteen anymore, Dan. Like we can't just talk about soggy biscuit or a hockey podcast. Like there's, there's. <laughs> okay, this is the line, isn't it's, it? This is the it's, line. Especially with um the the relatively pun heavy title of this podcast already. <laughs> I feel I feel there's only so many um. References right. to sex acts we can fit into one show, and we already okay. naturally okay. hit our quota a little bit. It's like um, right. it's like on your phone, yeah. You have a look at your storage on your phone. And it's like I oh, say, so you got thirty-two gigs worth of storage on your phone, but then nine gig of it is taken up by your your operating system. That's okay. like the, our allowance <laughs> for particularly lewd jokes is already naturally filled by by um. By the title of the our podcast, name. yeah, by our name, which still, when I tell people, is um, a cause for for severe groaning, which is <laughs> the only reason we did it in the first place. Yeah, it was. We thought it'd stand out. Roswell so said, "Then you can Google soggy biscuit. I won't explain it because I'm mad enough to admit when I'm wrong, and you do have a point there. I think there's a line that we can't cross, and that's probably it. I think we reached it. Soggy biscuit, Jesus Christ." The good news is, well, is that you can only start climbing once you've reached bottom. And now we've reached bottom. Now we've reached the bottom. The only way is up. Does a pup count as a soggy biscuit, as it is colloquially known as a biscuit, and it is at all times wet? Oh, my God. You've just... That's a whoa. You've just blown my mind. There you go, mate. There you go. So what you're saying is then the Hurricanes players would have to use the puck and then, like... I thought you were going to go straight for it there. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was it. I thought you saw your opening and you were going to go for the kill. Um. (laughs) No, I didn't. Let's leave it. Okay, okay. (sighs) Okay, okay. Excuse me. 20 minutes dancing around the semen joke, bloody hell. What was interesting was, last (laughs) night, or the night before, I don't know, we finally had somebody, as you explained, Elias Lindholm, does the celebration against oh, his old team. I thought you were talking about booed. something else, and that's why I was wetting myself. No, what were you going to say? 
but I'm sure it's something we're going to talk about in a minute, so I won't ruin the surprise. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Anyway. No, the, no, don't worry. We'll, we'll get it in a sec. We'll do it after this. Fair enough. But this, this is what I've asked for for a long time. I know I know. Marek's taking the, pre- the, the, uh, the, the, the praise and the credit because he said he wanted somebody to, to do the celebration to against the Hurricanes. A former player doing it is great because this is how you start a rivalry. That's how you get this is interconference this is hatred. How, yeah. This is how now. You hope the next time they play. The next time they play, all game, Lindholm's just getting... I hope, hopefully the next time next, they play um, Carolina again. And I hope that they play, Lindholm's getting booed like crazy. And he just plays amazing. And he wins the game for his team. And then after the game, he just does it even more. So a Canes player just rushes out from the back and just swipes a stick at his head. And hey-ho, off we go. <laughs> after after game brawl, a rivalry is born. This is what we need. I loved it. I don't, I don't get why he was getting booed in the first place. Like He didn't ask for a trade. And he, and, and he was involved in a trade that brought you back a very good player. And they're two very good players, quite frankly. Like, and it, it just so happens to be having a better year in Calgary than he ever did in Carolina. Like, yeah, that's all your fault, Elias. You prick. What's amazing is is that this is what we talked about the other week is about is about sports fans and male sports fans in general just being really dumb because you're cheering for a set of jerseys over another set of jerseys, not even the player. They were annoyed with him because he was doing the clap. Over his head. I thought he was being booed during the game, though. Oh, was he? That's what I thought, and that's what led to him. What led to him being doing like, it? yeah, you're a bunch of bellends. Um Either way, either way, fans are annoyed either way, and essentially they're annoyed because, yeah, as you say, a man used to wear a jersey that they like, and now he's not. And then after the game is finished, God forbid, he claps over his head because now that's their thing. <laughs> Sports fans are so dumb. I love it. Who who's more justified in their booing? San Jose Shark fans booing Tavares or Carolina Hurricane fans booing Lindholm? Canes fans with Lindholm for sure because he he at least played for them. Tavares was never going to go anywhere. I said before anywhere other than Toronto. John Tavares, I could I could torture him for a day, Punisher style. I could push fucking bamboo shoots in between his finger and his fingernail and rip his fingernails off. And he might swear forever on a stack of Bibles he had not made his mind up. And I'll say, you're a fucking liar. You're a liar. You were always going to Toronto. Because I believe he was. As soon as that fucking pitch came out with his pyjamas, I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. At least at least Lindholm played for the Hurricanes. There's something there, I guess. See, I've, I've got the complete opposite view. Because, like, again... Lindholm didn't ask to leave the Hurricanes. He was just a victim of the business. Whereas John Tavares, at least... Not that I'm saying either of them are justified in their booing of the player, but at least John Tavares did actively say, nah, you're right to San Jose. Whether or not he was always going to say that is is another thing, but he he has at least actively said no to San Jose, whereas Lindholm is just a victim of, of circumstance. I hate it when you make a point that's, like, really good. That's really annoying. What can I say, mate? Yeah, I I'm the I'm the smartest person I know. That's true. Go on then. What got what got you excited then when I was talking about before I started talking about Elias Lindholm? I thought we were going to talk about I thought we were going to talk about the great one. Oh, 
I'll let you. I'll let you lead that. Not not that silly old blonde kid from Toronto or wherever he's from. No, Jose. Jose, he's back. He's back at it. He's back at it. Very shortly <laughs> after, um, too shortly, some would say, after being sacked by Man United, I came across. Or Dan and I both came across just before the the show recorded today. The perfect, the pinnacle of two Brits one puck. I think the perfect intersection oh, yeah. of. Of everything that has has fueled this podcast from day one, Jose Mourinho, uh, the great one as he's commonly known, was there for a ceremonial puck drop in the KHL. This uh, I think last night, maybe we don't know. As prepared as we always are, it was between uh, SKA and who was it, Dan? Akbars. It was yeah, SKA and. No, it was. Oh, um, I've lost it. Avangard Omsk, wasn't it? There we go. There we go. Yeah. SK and Avangard Omsk. Pavel Datsuk was uh, was up there for the old uh, ceremonial face off. So Mourinho's out on that on that beautiful little uh, red carpet. He drops the puck. Um, being unfamiliar with uh, with the the etiquette of a ceremonial puck drop, drops it, does a clap, turns to go straight away. Datsuk holds out a hand to to shake the hand of an already bolting it Mourinho <laughs> and just as Datsun gets his hand to the full extension that you would to shake a man's hand who's already gone uh, Mourinho's already going arse over tit as the red carpet has betrayed him and he's going head <laughs> over heels onto the ice it's absolutely perfect if you if you want to see the best picture that I will see in all of 2019 get onto Pete Blackburn's Twitter because I'm looking at it now and it's just fantastic. It's phenomenal. It's you know people say sometimes this oh, this picture could be a Renaissance painting. This exactly. <laughs> this is just peak. This picture could be a Renaissance painting. It's amazing. But Mourinho is mid air. You're saying, Will, that that's just got oh, a hand out. Oh, yeah. mate. Oh, I'm I'm just I'm just uh, <laughs> just loving it's life. Phenomenal. And the the avant garde players <laughs> trying to get his hand out of the glove still. Oh, mate. It's oh, it's just perfect, isn't it? You're saying that um, Mourinho betrayed the ceremonial puck drop. I feel <laughs> he also betrayed his own knowledge of frozen water and <laughs> the surface tension thereof. In that for some reason he tries to, I don't know, he doesn't sort of carefully take his steps as he bolts away from, oh my God, this Russian is trying to shake my hand. I must run away quickly. He's just like, I'm Jose. I can just go away as quick as I can. Ice has no effect on me. Nope, over he goes. I, t- oh. I don't know. To be fair, he's on he's on a red carpet on ice. I think if I was to walking on carpet on ice, I'd have more faith on it. I'd have more faith, but I'd never be a hundred percent. I'd never be a hundred percent. There'd still be a part of me that'd be a bit okay. I'll just go a bit slower than normal. I'm not going to go full pace here because you never know. There is ice underneath this carpet. It's freshly cut ice as well. It's not like, you know, ice that's been sitting there for a while and it's dried up a bit. Like, that is the yeah. ice, that. <laughs> Ripe for a oh, slip in. fabulous. Oh, mate. I think we've peaked, Dan. And with that, we would like to close out the final episode of Two Brits One Park as we go out in a blaze of glory and um, never to be seen again. That was it. It's that picture. That picture does it. It's just... <laughs> it's the sports picture of the year so far and it's going to be very very tough for anything else to beat it can, can you vote uh, a picture of sports personality of the year Dan is that possible 
I don't know. That picture should be in the fucking Guggenheim or something. Or the Natural History Museum for just for eternity. It's oh god, what's he even doing there? That's what I think. I've seen that picture. Like I, I just I keep looking at that picture because I, I just can't not look at it. It's I'm looking at it right now. It's amazing. I can't. I just every time I look away and look back, I see something else. Like oh my god, I'm gonna just notice this as well. It's like a magic eye picture or something. But why is he even there? Why is Joe Mourinho dropping the puck at a KHL game? Even even if Putin was in attendance, which I imagine he was, Jose Mourinho is by far and away the most famous person in that arena. Yeah. Like, like, what is he doing dropping a puck? What is he in in Russia? Like I I cannot I can't get my head around it. I cannot get my I you know what I want to know I want to know if it's on BBC Sport. Like has it broken into the zeitgeist? Like is this is this a real thing now? Let's go. Or is this just one of these right fake now. things that we, we're getting there? Who's going to be quicker? Oh, mate, I've just paid the AHL a bit more money. That's not ideal. Is it on the front page? Is it on the front page? It's not. It's not. I haven't, I'm no. not seeing it. Maybe it'll be on tomorrow, though. Oh, yeah. No, it, it should be there right now. Maybe, maybe it's not. Maybe people don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe Russia's not letting it out of the country. We can't have Jose come here and make a fool of himself. Everyone will laugh at us. Well, apparently, like, the KHL have tweeted that video out, or the gif out, of um, of him falling, and then they deleted it afterwards. So the fact that they tweeted that in the first place, to me, is just incredible. Oh, someone's getting their fucking hands chopped off for that, aren't they? Whoever runs that Twitter account, fucking run. Run fast, run far, my friend. Guys, you get no... Caught. No sign of the most important thing Jose Mourinho has done in the last three years. <laughs> Gutted. Oh dear. It's perfect. We might have to change the um, the banner on our Twitter page to that picture. <sighs> it's it's got to be because Kirk, Kirky's run his course. Just... We'll have to wait until yeah. Kirky scores his his fiftieth in his NHL debut. <laughs> yeah. The first rookie to <laughs> well, score fifty goals. Yeah. Maybe then, <laughs> if he score, if he scores five and he beats Austin Matthews when he got four, if Kirky okay. scores five in his NHL debut, maybe, maybe Kirky will put you on there. Until then, mate, sorry, you got no shot. It's fucking. It's not... <laughs> Keep looking at that picture. Okay, I need to get rid of it. I need to get rid of it. It's too good. It's too good. Okay, get rid of it. Oh dear me, dear I, me. I don't know what I'd do if. Like, imagine if Kirky just became a superstar. Like, like if, if we end up with like. Colin David and Liam Kirk in the same conversation. Some somehow, some way. He's still playing well, isn't he, as well? He's still playing he's well. Banging him out. Absolutely banging him out. And he's he's like it's all kinds of goals. Because I obviously I get Peterborough Twitter things coming up because I I've decided to follow them for this very reason. And it's like, oh watch Kirky with his assist, watch Kirky blast one in, Kirky tips one in. I'm like, oh my god, he's not just he's not just scoring the same goals all the time. He's actually you know, he's looking like he's Really, sort of rounding his game out as well. Yeah, he's, he's not just pinging them over below average goalies with D men who yeah. are giving him like seventeen minutes to take a shot. Like he, he might be the one. He might be the neo of uh, of British hockey. He might be to an extent. He's he going to be is. the one that leads us to the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he already has. He already is. He might be the one that leads us to the promised land, will of getting hockey finally on a decent TV deal in this country. I want to know how 
how much does Kirky have to do to eclipse Tony Hand? Like, obviously, you know, sort of, um, what's the word? As like a cult figure, Tony Hand will always, always be like, you know, the Pele of British hockey. Because how, how can yeah, you not true. be when you average like 50 points a game or whatever he had? Yeah, yeah. But like what? If he, if if Liam Kirk has an NHL career, no matter how many points he scores, like if he plays like six or seven seasons in the NHL, does he officially become the best British-born and trained player to, to play a game? You know, you know what I mean. Obviously, he's not as skilled as Tony Hand, but how far does it? Oh, what's know, what's the know. where does that bar lie? I got no idea. I've got no idea. I just want to see. I just want to see Kirk. Just break it. Just like I'm amazed. There's not more articles about him. Or like we said, the the puck stop place in Sheffield mm. was selling Peter Peach jerseys, and they sold out. Like hockey, like hockey, GB hockey fans have been dying for this for years and years and years. And you just think somebody should. If for nothing else, if for nothing else, forget the fact he's actually playing really well. If for nothing else, just piggyback onto this guy immediately. And be like, okay, this is our guy. And if it works, we can say we were the first ones there. You know, get interviews with him and everything. Just get doing stuff with him. I don't know. The the thing with that is I always think back to, to Lou Oldane. Um, oh, yeah. And, you, and like Lou, Lou Oldane was... I don't know if he's still playing, but when he was in the NBA, he was, he was a player. He was a proper player. He wasn't just some yeah. fringe guy, you know, got on the court for five minutes a game or whatever. Like... He he was genuine. A lot of play, a lot of teams would have loved to have him on his on their team, and you never heard anything yeah. about Laurel Deng. So, I think in in that respect, like maybe it'd be different now because I think the NBA is infinitely more popular now in in the UK than it was sort of ten years ago. But yeah, that's true. Still, that's true. if if Laurel Deng couldn't break into the zeitgeist, I don't think Kirky has any chance really, unless he unless he does exceptionally well in the NHL. But that that said, this I is so. he hasn't got to the NHL yet, so it might be different when he makes his if he makes his debut. Because as little yeah, an appetite there is for the NHL hockey in the UK, there's even less for OHL hockey. You know what I mean? Like at this yeah, point, minor, he's, yeah, he's playing North for, American minor league hockey. He's got no chance has it over here at the moment. In in the same way, like, hardcore. How many like under 18s Premier League players do you know? Minimal, none. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Let's Plen- hope though. Plenty of time for Kirky to dislodge David Beckham as the most recognisable <laughs> British-born athlete <laughs> to ever walk the earth. Yeah, when Kirky's attending fucking Prince George's coronation <laughs> to be the new king of England, we'll be like, shit, he made it! Holy fuck, that's Kirky with his supermodel missus. Bloody hell. That's well a, done to you, lad. That's so Kirky to you, actually. Yeah, Dan. so... <laughs> Silly and Kirk. <laughs> That's fabulous. I didn't even think about that. All right. A couple of tiny little things to round off the show. You sent me an interesting tweet about Alexander Ovechkin's shot and oh, where it comes from on the ice. Another another beauty from your boy, Michael Blake McCurdy. I wanted to... Yeah, um, at, ineff- at ineffective math. I wanted to start Micah this week, but I feel like if I start doing that, I'm going to start Micah every week because he's just incredible for the work yeah, this true. guy is doing. That's true. It's, is outrageous. If anyone for some reason is listening to this and hasn't seen 
Micah's work, like Dan said, at ineffective math is it's the visualizations of the data that is just incredible. Yeah, if you're uh, if you're not the most uh, number centric individual, then it's just it's fantastic. Even if you are great work. So it's basically heat maps of where Ovechkin has taken the most shots uh, per season that he set up from 2007-2008 through to to this season. And it's interesting because the Ovi spot, it's sort of always there, but it it's only when, you know, over the last sort of three years that it's particularly become right. You can see this is basically the only place that Ovechkin shoots from. And I think that's really quite telling of how he's continued to um, to be productive in, in his quote-unquote advanced years. It, that, to me, tells a tale of a player who was incredibly dominant on skill and, and physical prowess through the first 10 years of his career and over the last few has realised, right, you know, he's he's been a good enough player to have that brain to think, right, how can I continue to be effective where I'm lacking in certain areas that I had as a younger player? Right, I've got a wicked shot. If I just keep shooting from here, that's going to work for me. And lo and behold, it's worked for him. I think it's just a, a great snapshot of of how elite athletes can adapt and continue to 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 sort of thrive that's the word I'm looking for the most interesting year for me and I can't remember which year it was was but there's one year where his the majority of his shots come from the right side which just like like Will says what an effective math does amazingly is breaks it all down and visualises it so simply you can't not tell what's going on there's no grey area you're not like what does this mean again it's just essentially here's where Ovi shoots from in 2007 the darker the spot the more the shot the more, the more shots he takes it's it's the most basic thing ever so the year where he shoots on the right side more my brain just was like whoa hang on a minute because you would because we're so because like you know like you say we can't remember anything from past like a year ago you just think the OV spot has been there forever but it hasn't and it's amazing and not only that but the OV spot now is so much the OV spot that last year there was no like there was no other heat anywhere else. It was literally there. He's clearly found the spot for him that works. And if that works and no one's ever stopped it, why would you not do it? It just it makes perfect sense. We we keep saying whenever you see Washington on a power play, like how are people leaving a Vetchkin open over and over again? Like Yeah. He's probably thinking the same thing. <laughs> but it works, so <laughs> Carry yeah, on. you thinking at some point, at some point, someone's going to stop me, surely. As he rips in his 50th, he's like, oh, I guess not then. <laughs> this train's going to stop at some point, but I'm not getting off until it does. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Last thing this week for Man vs. Comfort is a new, it's a new segment, Will, called um, Fuck That Savage with Taylor Hall. And I assume, I assume everyone must have seen this, but Taylor Hall signing his one for one Adam Larson tweet is just chef's kiss. Just beautiful work. Beautiful work. There, um, There's hope for this legally yet. And uh, it might take a while for us to get there, but when when Taylor Hall is the old white guy running the league or part of the problem with the league, then we're going to be in a better position than we are now with uh, people like Brian Burke being the problem with the league. 
Definitely. Yeah, a fan at the was it the All- was it the All Star game, wasn't it? Um, or was it? I mean, I assume he was there. Yeah, I assumed it was, but maybe it wasn't. Somebody had printed out the uh, the tweet that said Taylor Hall for Adam Larson, one for one deal, and they got whoever it was got Taylor Hall to sign it, and he did. Fabulous work, everybody. Well played. All right, well, this is it. Like, good, good on, oh. good on Taylor Hall for having having a good spirit about it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What's the most you ever lost on a coin toss? Call it. Will, you've done great work. You are now level. Go on. <laughs> you are back level. A bad week for the coin this week. A bad week. The coin needs to step out this week. Yeah, the coin's got to step up. He's uh, he's in the coin room now, doing some training. Covering himself in brasso. Getting extra slip, getting extra slippery, having a clean. Trying to try to up his uh, up his flips per sixty. <laughs> Definitely. All right, let's do these games. Kings Rangers. Fucking hell. Rangers. Coyotes Preds. Preds. Got me. Ducks Sends. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, oh, Senators, because because John Gibson's broken. It's over. <laughs> Broken Gibson. Oh. Canucks Flyers. Canucks. Uh, finally, Wild Sabres. Sabres. Yeah, I, I fancy the Sabres. Proper ponder of that one. Thank you, everybody, nice. for listening this week, as always. You can get in touch with us on Twitter. Any questions, anything you want to mention, at Dan Straits Edge. Will, you are at... W-E-V-E-V-E-R-E-T-T and at two Brits one puck number two number one thank you everybody Will any last words one day when the NHL finally becomes the most popular sport in Britain we'll end up with um, hockey AM the NHL equivalent of soccer AM which I'm sure we'll talk about more in the future for our North American friends that have no idea what soccer AM is and um, that's going to be beautiful for Two weeks until we realise just how fucking awful and embarrassing it is. And I look forward to that day. Just quickly, do you know what concerns me about one day hockey becoming popular in this country? Is that who the fuck are they going to get to present these shows with hockey people on? Like if Sky got the rights now to show hockey in this country, they would they would never do they would never do what free sports do, which is just have a a feed of the game and that's it. They would have a studio and fucking They'd have their own show. The, yeah, the board, the, the TV screen that people can draw on and fucking stop and start highlights and all that thing. Who would they get to do it? Do that's the only thing I'm thinking, like, oh, who would it be? For the NFL, do they have, like, second-rate Americans, don't they? Yeah, like, ex-players and coaches and stuff. I don't know, like, just whoever, like, is interested in getting on TV but isn't that good at it. <gasps> you know who needs a paycheck at the moment, don't you? Who's out of work? Just recently out of work. Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. my God. Yes. I'd, I'd pay for a Sky subscription just to see that. Oh, my God, I would. If Chiarelli could get a job as an analyst on Sky Sports NHL. Oh, please, Lord. <laughs> the, the NHL on Sky with Peter Chiarelli. Oh, I can see it now. <laughs> Take care, folks. See you later. Peace.